This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That very lucky to be joined on Football CFB today by a true legend of football, a man who's a success in Sweden, Portugal, Italy and of course with the English national team as well. Sven Joran Eriksson, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. The first question I've got for you Sven is for someone like yourself who's had success in Sweden, Portugal, Italy, what are the differences between managing in the major European leagues? Well, I think if you go back 20, 30 years ago, it was a big difference because the style of football was different, very different if you compare Sweden with Portugal, for example. But today, uh, with all the players going around Europe, around the world, and coaches, managers uh, working in different uh, countries, the difference today is much less. In Spain, they like to, to keep the ball. In Premier League today, they, they like to keep the ball, move the ball and things like that. Uh, defending all counters in the world today, they want to put pressure on the man with the ball, be very aggressive, keep the team short and so on. So I don't think today the difference is that big. Uh, so, yeah, less than 20 years ago. And in terms of your time, what were the differences that you felt when you were managing? Because, as you say, back then it was different going from Sweden to Portugal, Portugal to Italy and so on. Yeah, when I took the step from Sweden to, to Benfica, Portugal, that was a big step. And it was totally different football. Uh, short passing, short passing. In Benfica, keep the ball, playing away, don't attack, wait, uh, try to get a draw, winning 1-0. So it was totally different from where I came from, Gothenburg. And there we played very much direct. We were very aggressive, trying to take the ball back early. So that was a huge difference. But you don't see that really today. At that time, yes, big difference. What was it like when you moved from Sweden to Portugal in terms of settling in? Because on the pitch, you were very successful. You win two league titles in your first spell at Benfica and the Cup. So it must have been a quite easy transition in many ways for yourself. Uh, well, yeah, it was a beautiful time. <laughs> uh, and you know, Benfica at that time when I came there, they, they, had, uh, they had been many years without any big success. And I came with a UEFA Cup trophy from Gothenburg. So they listened to me and they tried to do what I asked them to do. And that was to change their way of playing and their way of thinking. And they did it. And uh, yeah, during 
two years and later three years, the club was very, very successful. And yeah, happy times. One of the players I want to ask you about is is Nene. I mean, as a striker, he was very prolific in those title-winning campaigns. What was he like to manage? Very easy. Very professional. Very good guy. Uh, super professional, as I said. Working hard. And he was a huge talent played for the national team and from Benfica. He was very, very quick. He was... a uh, little bit of Mike Lowe. Uh, sometimes you didn't see him, but he was always there waiting for the for the final ball, for the final goal, and uh, he scored a lot of goals, and uh, always a danger. And one of the things that interests me, and it sort of rewinds back to your time in Sweden as well, you obviously won the UEFA Cup when you were managing Gothenburg, but when you were at Benfica, you were the um, you were the runner-up in that competition. So, what was that like going from winning it one season to being the runner-up the season after? <laughs> it was very, very good because we played a lot of games with Gothenburg. Well, with Gothenburg, we never lost one game in the FA Cup when we won. And when Benfica, I think we only lost uh, the last game, the final against Anderlecht. So, of course, it was. Great. It would have been better to win it with Benfica, but anyhow, it was good. And in terms of those successes, just how much do they mean to you as a manager when you when you look back, the fact that that's the early part of your career, that you were successful in both jobs that you had taken, first of all? Well, a lot of good memories, of course, and... Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm proud of been winning the all the titles. I, I've been lucky to win, of course. But uh, today that's history, so you don't really live on that. But uh, I, uh, I've been lucky. I had good teams, good football players, lot of success. Sometimes things went bad as well, as it does when you are a manager, of course. Was managing in Italy always an ambition of yours? Because after your first spell at Benfica, you go to Roma, you win the Coppa Italia, and you have a spell at Fiorentina before returning to Benfica. Was Italy always high on the horizon for you? You know, at that time, uh, Italian football was the best in in, in Europe. And when in, best in Europe, probably the best in the world as well. So a lot of... Uh, I would say all the best football players, they wanted to play in Italy. Uh, there were big money uh, and uh, the teams were doing very well in Europe. So it was very easy. It was like a, a dream to come to Italy. Uh, and during, I, I would guess, 15, 20 years, the best league was Italian. So that's why I dreamt of coming there and, uh, well, I was there for 13, 14 years, I think, altogether. One of the things that interests me about the time that you managed back then in club football was the fact that a lot of cup finals were over two legs. Was that irritating as a manager? Because nowadays we're used to it being a one-legged final. No, the old UEFA Cup was played in uh, two legs, home and away. 
but when you thinking about the cap winners cap which doesn't exist anymore that was one leg and european cup i think that was one leg as well champions league so it was only the uefa cup you played away and home a little bit strange but that was okay well, another competition that was, was like that, obviously, was the Coppa Italia. Now, when you won it with Roma in your first, uh, when you were there, Sampdoria won the first leg 2-1, and then you won the second leg 2-0 with a goal to clinch the title in the 89th minute. Talk about a dramatic way to win a trophy. <laughs> well, it was uh, the first title I won with Roma. We became second in the league, I, I think, and... Uh, we were winning. Yeah, we won the Italian Cup. So it was an important trophy for for Roma. Even if Roma had had big successes the years before I came there, they won the league and they lost the Champions League against Liverpool, the final at home in Rome. But uh, a big title. If you if you are Roma or Lazio, those clubs. Every time you win a title, it's big because it's not Juventus, Milan or Inter. They are the three big, big clubs in, in Italy. They, they certainly are. And as well as Roma, you had the spell at Fiorentina. You, you didn't win a trophy with them. But overall, how do you reflect on life in Florence? A nice place to live, <laughs> Florence. But... Fiorentina, they didn't have their ambitions to win the league. They had only ambitions to try to reach a European place. And that meant fifth, sixth in the league. And my second year, we, we played a playoff against Roma and we, we beat them. So we, we took Fiorentina to, to Europe, as, uh, but uh, no titles. You're right. That was the reason why I got a new... Uh, offer from Benfica. I wanted to go back to to win titles because I knew that in, in Florence it's more or less impossible. And you, you mentioned returning to Benfica. You return there, you win another league title, as we'll come to, but you get to the final of the European Cup or the Champions League as it's now known. What was it like going into the final against Milan? Because when I look at the team, you've got Maldini, Costa Cutter, Baresi, Ancelotti, Rijkaard, Van Basten, Hullet, and so many others. How do you prepare for a game like that? <laughs> we knew that it would be very, very difficult because, uh, yeah, you, you made the lineup more or less. <laughs> and those players, at that time, I guess Milan was the best team in, in the world. And those three Dutch guys, they were absolutely incredible. So we knew it would be difficult. Uh, and it was difficult. We didn't create many chances to score, but we defended very well. And we hoped, of course, to to make a draw. But I think it Rake had scored 1-0 the second half. And uh, that was it. We couldn't... Uh, we didn't come behind Barese, Costa Corta, Maldini too many times. We were not good enough for that, unfortunately. As, as I mentioned, as well as getting to the, the European Cup final, you also win another league title. Having described the situation at Fiorentina, where the club were not as ambitious as you wanted them to be, how good was it to return to Benfica and get that league title? Ah, it was very, very good. Excellent. And I mean... 
uh, playing a final in Europe is always big for for Benfica because Benfica won a lot of titles in the past. But today, for a Portuguese team to win big titles is very seldom. Porto did it a couple of times, and Benfica has done it. But I mean. Portugal is a great football country, but if you take uh, the money for the clubs, you cannot compare with Italy, Germany, Premier League, of course, you cannot compare that. So it's great to come to a final for a Portuguese team. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the next step after Benfica, your second spell there, you've talked about the success. Back to Italy, this time with Sampdoria. And, and you win another trophy there, you win the, the Coppa Italia, and not only do you win it, you beat the, 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 the runners-up in Kona 6-1 to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Sampdoria, they, unfortunately, they sold Vialli when I came there, and the chairman said that he didn't any longer could uh, compete with Milan, Juventus, Inter, economically. So he sold Yali uh, to Juventus, and but I, I I stayed anyhow for five years, and it was a very good club, very familiar club, and uh, not too much pressure. And we bought young unknown players like Carambo, like Seedorf, uh, a lot of them, and we sold them after a couple of years for. Big money. So, but it was very interesting. Veron is one of them, for, for example, we bought for peanuts and sold him to Lazio for a lot of money. I bought him in Lazio. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned players like Seedorf, Veron, and others. When you sign those players young, what's it like when you're working with them and you can see their immense talent? Do you think to yourself as the manager at that time, I'll be lucky if I can get maybe two years because these guys are going to go to the very, very top. Yeah, it was not only me. I must uh, tell you that uh, Santoria, they had extremely good scouts around the world, thanks to the owner who uh, was uh, in the oil business. So he had a lot, lot of connections. So we, we together found young, talented players. And uh, they came and they got better and better because they played in the Italian league. And after that, they went to Real Madrid, they went to wherever. <laughs> A lot of them became extremely big stars in, in, in the football world. When, when we talk about your next club after Sampdoria, Lazio, when, when, I'm just going to rhyme through this for the listeners. You won the Serie A title, you won two Coppa Italias, two Italian Super Cups, the Cup Winners Cup and the UEFA Super Cup. Just sum up your time at Lazio before we talk about it in detail because what an incredible time for you and your career when you look back. Well, it was professionally my best time, of course. Uh, in three years, three and a half years, we won seven titles with a team who, well, they were not used to win anything. They had won the league 25 years before I came there. But we had a very good owner, Mr. Krainotti, and they had a good team when I came. And he listened to me and he gave me the money to buy really good football players and it became uh, 
I think during a couple of years we were one of the best teams in, in Europe. Great players, great atmosphere, playing very, very good football and a lot of individual skillful players. That was, life was easy at that time. <laughs> Well, well, listen, oh, you say easy, Sven, but one of the things that I think sums up your power at that time as a coach is the fact that you sell Christian Vieri for big money and then you go on to win the title the year after he leaves. Just just sum up that season because at the end of the day, whenever a team loses a big star, you, you, you expect them to go backwards, but that was not the case in Lazio. No, we we sold Vieri because he didn't want to stay. He wanted to go to Inter, Inter Milan. Uh, but we bought Salas, and uh, I think at that time we bought also Veron, if I'm not wrong. And uh, we had an extremely good team, and I think we should have won the Scudetto the year before. We were very close, but we missed it at the end, and uh, we had to wait one year before we we could win it. So it was not about Vieri. Of course, Vieri is a great player. He was the most expensive to buy and the most expensive to sell. <laughs> but uh, that team had huge lot of football players on a very, very, very high level. They certainly did. One of the players I want to ask you about, the playmaker who we all know so well, and Pavel Nedved, just what was he like to work with? Because he was a joy to watch. Well, he was a joy to coach as well. <laughs> he was uh, one of these guys. He was the first man on training. He didn't want to go home after training. He didn't want to have holiday. After one week of holiday, the kid went in the training ground, phoned me and said, what shall I do? Nedved is here, he wants the kid to train. I, I said, <laughs> don't give him the kid, he has to rest. And he was, uh, I'm not surprised that he later went to Juventus and he's a football man. Poorly, poorly football man. Lives for his football and today he's vice chairman, I think, in Juventus. Yeah. And I can understand it. Good man, fantastic man. Another player who you had as your captain at Lazio, um, who was great at the club but went on to achieve so much in his career with Milan and, of course, the national side, is, is Alessandro Nesta. Just what was he like as a defender? Is he up there with the very best you've ever worked with? Uh, Nesta, when I came, he was a very young, talented, very talented central defender. And uh, he started to play in the first team, I made him captain, and I mean, he he must have been the best central defender, one of the best in, in, in the world at that time. He uh, was quick, he was tall, he was extremely good header, extremely good tackle, and uh, modern one, because he could play football as well, he didn't just uh, kick the ball away. So, with him and Mihailovic, it was extremely good and in the season that you win the title one of the things that, again people might forget it goes to the very last day of the season you have to beat Parma which which you do but how nerve-wracking was that whole day because you had a Juventus team coming after you who are, are very known for winning trophies 
well, it was extremely strange way to win because we did what we should do the last Sunday there, we won. And we knew that if Juventus lose, we win the title. And if they draw, I think it would have been a replay. And if they won, they would have won the title. And after 45 minutes, it came a huge rain in Perugia where Juventus played. And uh, the referee had to stop the game. And I think he stopped the game for 45, 50 minutes, something like that. So when our game was finished in Rome, we were sitting in the dressing room for 45, 50, 55 minutes, waiting for the result from Perugia where Juventus played. And that was nerve cracking <laughs> because you're just sitting down or walking or whatever you do, uh, waiting, and you cannot do anything. Just pray and hope and whatever <laughs> you do. And uh, no one left, no one took the shower, uh, no one left the stadium. And I talk about the fans as well. They didn't go home after the game. They were sitting waiting for the result. So very, very strange way to to win it. But uh, what a party. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. In, in yeah, it was, it, it was amazing. Everything. <laughs> And in terms of that, you mentioned earlier when it came to Sampdoria, for a club like Lazio, who, let's be honest, Sven, don't win the league every single year, just how special was it to win to, to win a league title with a club that, as I've said, don't traditionally win league titles an awful lot? Well, it's a great day for the club, of course, and it's a great day for, <coughs> for Rome. Well, half of Rome, Rome. <laughs> not the other half. But, I mean, people got... Uh, crazy of uh, happiness people were crying everywhere and players were crying and the owner was crying and yeah incredible i i after tried to go home in my volvo i i couldn't go home and people recognized me i was sitting on the on the the car and it stopped everything so the police had to take my car and take me in a police car to go home <laughs> wow. and it was amazing and of course they have been waiting for it for a long time and the year before we were so close to to win it so it was yeah it was great you mentioned the city of rome a great place to manage now you've managed both sides you've managed roma you've managed lazio what are those derby matches like because you're the perfect person to sum that up uh, well, you mean the difference between Roma and Lazio? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's two big clubs in one way. They are not Milan, Juventus or Inter. So it depends a lot of how good scouts they have and how much money the owner wants to, to spend. And if you want to compete with the three big ones, you have to spend money. And every time uh, those two teams are up in the top, uh, the owner has has uh, paid out a lot of money normally. And um, Roma maybe is the bigger team, if you talk about fans. Uh, but it's big rivality, of course. The derbies are incredibly important to win. And if you are a fan of Roma and you lose a derby on Sunday, probably you don't go to work on Monday. 
<laughs> because and it's beautiful games, fantastic football games, and the stadium is full, eighty thousand, and yeah, and you you never know who wins a derby. That's the same all over the world. Ah, Does it matter if you are first in the bottom of the table? Derby is a derby. A derby certainly is, and, and you've, as I say, experienced both sides of it. You've talked about just what it was like with the fans in the stadium. When you win one of those games, <clears throat> do you just feel on top of the world? Well, you are. At least you are the top of Rome. And for <laughs> a lot of Roman people, the world is Rome. Outside Rome, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Rome I was once. They were the head of head of the uh, head of the world absolutely well you're, you're spot on there and the, the next thing I, I really want to ask you about and again this is something that really intrigues me when we look at your career very successful Benfica both spells won a trophy with Roma won at Sampdoria was very successful at Lazio why did you decide then Sven to go into international football with England because you were in your early 50s and as you say you're coming out of Lazio, which was really the most successful period of your managerial career? Well, why, why I did uh, go to England? Well, I, I think I asked myself that sometimes in England when the, the press was too, too, too evil, <laughs> too stupid. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, to be honest and to be fair, I mean, if you get the chance to be the manager of England, and especially as a foreigner, you cannot say no. It's impossible. Because that job is probably the biggest job in the world. And the job with the, the huge prestige, not only in England or in Great Britain or in all over the world, it's, it's a top, top job in, in football, for sure. So it was... It was a difficult decision, but even if I've been very, very successful in, in Lazio and could have stayed probably for many years, uh, England, the challenge is, the challenge was too big to say no. And you will only have that chance once in your life. I, I guess that's very true, um, when it, as you say. And in terms of the size of the job, it is massive. You've talked about the press and how much pressure they put on the team, as do the fans. What's the main difference between managing an international team and a club team? Well, you can do much more with a club team. <clears throat> if you talk about changing things, changing system of playing, working with the players to improve the players uh, in a club. You have them every day and it, of course it's, it's normal. When you are the coach of the national team, manager, uh, you, many times it's feel that you have to pick the best players and uh, you cannot take them in uh, for three, four days training and a game and trying to improve them. Because you don't have time for that. Uh, when you get them, the most important thing is to try to find the system of uh, the play. How do we want to play? 4-4-2, four, 4-4-1-1 four, 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 one, one, or 4-3-3, four, three, three, whatever it is. And find the best way of playing with the players, the best players you have in the country. 
So th that's a big difference. In, in a club, you can know, I want to change to another system. I, I want to sell that player and I want to buy a new one or whatever. You cannot do that in the national team. It's completely different. One of the things that I have to ask you about before we talk about the tournaments, the game specifically, in hindsight, Sven, when you look back at your time with England, do you think if you had your time again, you would have resolved the situation with Gerard Lampard and Scholes differently and maybe tried a different system? <laughs> well, it's uh, strange a little bit for me because that was a big question all the years they played together. But Scholes, he didn't play the two last years. He didn't play 2006 and the qualification for 2006. He finished after 2004. But a lot of people said Beckham, Lampard, Gerard Scholes cannot play together. And I said, of course they can. And I asked some of the press, who do you want me to put on the bench and who do you want me to put in? I mean, those four players at that time, they were among the best players in the world. And I didn't want to put anyone on the bench of these four. Absolutely not. And I, I think that would have been very bad. And Scholes, he can play everywhere. <clears throat> Gerard can play everywhere. So I, I, I think we did well. But it was a big question for, for the press for a long time. It certainly, it certainly was. And, and to talk about one of the games that really defines you as a manager, Sven, something that is always mentioned to this day in a real positive light, is the game over in Germany. Germany won, England five. Michael Owen Hattrick, Steven Gerrard scoring Emil Heskey as well. Would you say that's your best result as England manager? Because, as I say, I, not my accent, I'm from Scotland, but everyone still talks about that game to this day. <laughs> Yeah, yes, for sure. It's uh, the biggest re result I I was involved in, because you 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 cannot go to play a, a official competitive game to Germany, to Munich, full stadium, uh, the old Munich stadium, and beat them five one. That doesn't really exist. Uh, but at that evening it did and I, I, I don't think Germany before or after ever lost uh, with that that figures any game any competitive game so yeah it's a, it's a, it's a, I can understand I uh, I remember the game and uh, of course to be one to be part of that result it, it's sort of a history of football. And also, the other game I need to ask you about as well, the Greece game at home. David Beckham scores the free kick to get you to the World Cup. Just how were your nerves that day? Because it was quite a cagey game. It was a very important game. It was a ticket to the World Cup. And um, uh, the game, very frustrating. We, we didn't play well. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, we beat Germany, we have done so well, and now we are Greece at home, and we can't beat them. And we had a lot of free kicks, and Beckham, he put the free kicks everywhere, but not in goal. And uh, I remember Teddy Sheringham came on late, 
And that free kick we talk about, uh, Teddy told, I think Teddy told him on the pitch, I will take that one. And uh, I think we hoped on the bench that Teddy should take it because Beckham, he, he had missed five or six or seven or all of them. But captain Beckham and confidence and professional, he said, that free kick is mine. And he took it and he scored. And I mean, that's... That uh, makes a big player, extremely big player, at that moment to perform as he did there. That's great. And of course, that was incredible joy because one year before that result, or one and a half year before, people didn't believe that England should go to the World Cup. And there we were. <laughs> you, you certainly got there. And just before we talk about the 2002 tournament, you mentioned David Beckham there as, as the captain of the nation. He's, he's a footballer who is massive all over the world, but just what was it like to work with him with the national team? Because he was someone, as you mentioned, with that Greece game that seemed to always step up in the big occasion. Well, when you talk about those great names and great persons and great <coughs> football players, normally it's very easy to handle them because... They are individual great players, but they are also players, clever players. They're players who want to win. And they know if we shall win, we have to work hard together. And I, as a captain, Beckham in this case, he has to help younger players. He has to, to help the team to keep a good morale and, and things like that. And Beckham was fantastic in that. Uh, so very very easy I never had a problem with David Beckham and I don't think anyone had uh, the security had a problem always <laughs> because wherever you go with Beckham it's chaos uh, because of his popularity uh, and I think it was the same when he went to Real Madrid and things like that uh, he is well probably the most known sport personality in the world all over the world they know who David Beckham is that, that, that is true and I remember what sums that up I remember Tony Blair the former Prime Minister saying that he was in Africa doing some some um, work for the government and he was there were the, the kids were st struggling to know who he was and where he was from and he just said the words David Beckham and he said as soon as I said that they knew where <laughs> yeah, I was from yeah, yeah but that's true uh, when I say he was most famous in the world, uh, I, I strongly believe that. Uh, amazing, uh, his uh, charisma and his... And uh, maybe he was not the best football player in the world. He was extremely good and one of them, but as a personality and uh, fame, he was number one, for sure. 2002 World Cup, you draw with your... <coughs> Your, your home nation, Sweden, you defeat Argentina, draw with Nigeria, defeat Denmark 3-0 in the round of 16 before then getting to play Brazil. What was that Brazil game like? Everyone always talks, Sven, as you know, about the Ronaldinho goal against David Seaman. But what was the game like itself? Well, it began very well for us and we took the lead. Unfortunately, last minute, I think, after half, uh, before halftime. Uh, they scored. We lost the ball strange in the midline and 
we couldn't take it back. We had the chance to take it back a couple of times. We missed tackling. And they made the counter-attack and scored. Uh, and then second half, they got one sent off. They did 2-1 on a very particular goal. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it was meant as a sh uh, shot on goal. But anyhow, but the big problem was there that uh, especially when Brazil took 2-1, they concentrated to make possession of the ball. And uh, Brazil, at that time, they won the World Cup. They, they had the best team. But when they concentrate just on keep the ball, to take the ball from them, even if we were one man more, was extremely difficult. So we had to run, 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 and they changed side from right to left, from left to to right, and, and uh, they kept the ball. And uh, I know that we was criticized, I was criticized, saying, why don't you attack? Why don't you, well, attack, give me the ball first before I can attack. You have to work so hard to win it. So that was a big problem. And uh, I, I said after the game, I say today, they were better than us. And they deserved to win the, the final that year. And I don't think we were ready for winning the World Cup at that time. We could have done it maybe, but it's sometimes you have to say congratulations. And at that time I said to Brazil, well, you were better than we. When you look at that Brazil team, the fact that they go on to win the World Cup, players like Ronaldinho, Cafu, Ronaldo and many others, would you say they were the best international team you faced during your time at England? Uh, maybe. I think you're right there, yes. We beat Argentina in that tournament and I think that was a brilliant game we, we did. Maybe maybe one of the best games in that whole tournament. Uh, but Brazil, yeah. I would guess in all my time with England, yeah. Maybe Brazil was the best team we ever met. After 2002, you know internationally, we look two years beyond to 2004. A young Wayne Rooney is coming through. Just how exciting was he as a, as a man coming through the system? And as the national team manager, how did you handle him? Because you know England is like Sven, we've talked about it already. Lots of pressure, the media hype, everything up. So for you, with Wayne, how did you try and keep his feet on the ground? Well, uh, it was very exciting to see... Uh, I hadn't seen him live uh, early and he started to play for Everton and we went to see him, Todd and myself, and not once, many times and what we saw was exciting. Wow, this guy is 16, 17 years old and he looks like he, he played football for 10 years, not afraid of anything and so of course, we were exciting as the whole nation, I would say. So when we decided to pick him for a friendly game first and then pick him for, for qualification games, I guess it was Turkey at home. Uh, everyone was excited. And during that time, just before Turkey, I, together with the coaches, we, we decided, no, we're going to play him. Uh, we're going to start with him. 
and uh, we did and i mean his way of i told him the night before the evening before uh, wine tomorrow you're going to start okay he said and that was it <laughs> uh, cool uh, no nerves a lot of confidence and uh, well the rest is history what he did after that uh, i mean a great player and that was what england needed at that time because we didn't have 10 really really good international strikers we had we had but not too many and he came at the right time and he became of course a big star euro 2004 you mentioned the fact he becomes a big star the team are playing well and then you get to that game against portugal it's a very controversial game for so many reasons um just how do you feel when when, when ultimately at that stage of the quarterfinals, you, you go out again? Well, uh, we didn't like it, of course. And I think we, we had a good team. Of course we had. Uh, we could have uh, scored a goal before uh, penalties, for sure. Uh, very tight game and then we lost in penalty shootouts and uh, for England that was my first time with England we lost like that but for England it was uh, heavy because it was not the first time England had done it before so people remembered that and yeah we we were sad all of us of course absolutely but uh, we we should maybe have done better, but if I can go go ahead, the real tournament I I was extremely disappointed with. That was uh, two years later in Germany. I think we had the best team. Well, let me say I don't think any other team were better than us. So we should have done better there, and we should have beaten the Portugal in quarterfinal. And but it was repetition of what happened two years before unfortunately but there i think we were ready to 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 win and we were unlucky we played one hour 10 against 11 so that didn't help of course but anyhow that's the tournament which hurt me personally more than the other two <coughs> One of the things I want to ask you about, you talked about the pressure of the press. It was announced that you would be leaving the job before the World Cup. Was that a distraction in any way at all? Uh, I don't think so. It, it was not good, a good decision from the FA to announce it. I asked them, don't announce it. And they said we will try not to but one day two days after it was announced and i told them that that was not necessary but for some reason i don't know why that happened and um yeah delusion but more delusion the way uh, i was sacked i was i don't think i was sacked because of football reasons i was sacked for other reasons and i I never accepted that, and I, I, I accept it, of course, because it doesn't really matter today. But at that time, I, I, I thought it was wrong. But that's it. 
Well, as you see, you... during the tournament, no, I don't think that affected. That's not an excuse that we we didn't do better than we did. No. And in terms of that, you mentioned the fact that you leave England, which you don't think is football reasons. I think so many people, Sven, to be honest with you, would agree with you on that. How much did it hurt you when you left the job at that stage? Because you mentioned the fact that you had a really good team. That hurt you the most. Ideally, would you like to have stayed on for Euro 2008 and having the, the power of hindsight, the fact England, you leave and England don't get there? Does that frustrate you in the sense that you think if I was given those other two years, we could have made a difference. <laughs> you never know in life. So, but uh, I wouldn't say so. I don't know that. But yes, I don't. I think the reason why I was sacked was wrong, completely wrong. And therefore, I got that very, very wrong because I knew that everything was built up of a lie from news of the world, and it was a lie. So I never accepted that because of that. If they have told me uh, after the tournament 2006, Sven, it's not good enough to only reach quarterfinal, you're going to be sacked. That would have been accepted from me without any problems. I can understand that. So I think it would have been very difficult to keep the job after the tournament in Germany because at that time, the press, uh, supporters, they wanted more. And they thought it was, a lot of people thought it was easy to get more. Uh, <clears throat> but I know, I knew, and the history says to reach semi-final, final in a World Cup today, it's extremely difficult. You must be very good and you must be you must have a little bit of luck. But at the end, I, I guess, whatever happened, how I was sacked and so on, after the quarterfinal 2006, it would have been very difficult for me to keep the job. I understand that, and I, that I accept. One of the things that I have to say, Sven, and I'm going to pay tribute to you here for how you handled that, when you were leaving the job, one of your last press conferences as England manager, actually the last, you wished the country well, which was obviously classy to do, but you also singled out Wayne Rooney for praise and also pleaded with the press not to blame him for England's exit, something that I'm sure, having been the England manager, you know that for many years that happened. It happened to David Beckham in 1998. How important was it for you to, to make that public statement in support of Wayne after the awkward situation with him and Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, even if I had to leave, I... I loved the time in England, I loved the team, uh, the players, I loved England uh, and everything around the national team, of course. So I could see the future uh, because after five, six years, you know the press. Uh, they would kill me because of uh, we didn't win the World Cup, but I could also see that because of red card, uh, for Wayne Rooney, they would get on on him, and I I ask them, don't do that because you really need Rooney in the next tournament, and uh, that's why I said, don't kill him. You can kill me because that doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> I think uh, the press were they were good, 
I don't think they blamed uh, Wayne Rooney too much. What I remember, I, I think it was like that. And that was important, very, very important. After the situation with England, the fact that you leave England, you take a year out of football. Why did you take a year out? Was it time to regroup or was it a case of the job that you wanted just didn't come up at that time? Well, I would like to have stayed in England, but during one year it didn't come any offer from any club in England. So that was a big reason. I had some clubs in the rest of Europe, but not really one which interested me because I came from a huge job. And uh, before that, I came from one of the best teams in Europe, in Lazio. So I wanted a top job and uh, it didn't come. It came one year later and that was Manchester City then. And then I, I took that job and I was very happy and very proud to, to, to have it. You mentioned the fact you take the Manchester City job. This is obviously before the takeover. I should mention that to any younger <laughs> listeners. It's before um, the Sheikh Mansour-led group come in. One of the players I have to ask you about, Sven, that you signed, and I must be honest with you, I did love watching, was Alano. Just what was he like to work with? <laughs> Easy. Brazilian, happy, happy man, always. Uh, and a great footballer. Played for the national team, of course, and you could use him as a second striker, as a winger, as a central midfielder. And a great guy. But that team, they had a lot of... We bought a lot of very, very good football players. And we started to play good football. Uh, because the year before, it was a team struggling to, to stay in Premier League. So... I think we did very well. And uh, I think at Christmas time, we were... We were not top, but I think we were top three or something in, in, in the league. And that was uh, probably better than we we were. The result was better than the team <laughs> was. But anyhow, it was a good season. One of the sad stories of that Manchester City team, Sven, is, is the, the story of Michael Johnson. He was very highly rated. You were honest enough to put faith in him. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have the career we all hoped. And he, he went out of football quite young. Just how much talent did he have when you worked with him? Well, he was a great talent. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, he surprised me. And he was young. And uh, Didi Harman said uh, to me once, uh, boss, uh, this guy, he's the best midfielder I ever played with. And I said, do you really mean that? Yes. And I mean, Didi Harman, he played for Liverpool, he played for Bayern Munich, he played for Germany, 50, 60, 70 games, something like that. And coming from him, that's, that's extremely good. But Michael was that good. He was extremely good. And some years later, when I came to Leicester, the, one of the first things I did, uh, I, I bought him. But unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't go well. Uh, but in City, he was great. One of the other players that you, <coughs> pardon me, worked with, who I want to ask you about, is the Iris Vassell. You gave him um, caps for England. He was a player who wasn't what you would call necessarily a prolific striker, but he worked very hard for the team. 
and Emil Heskey's another one who you worked with. Were those sorts of strikers, although they didn't score bucket loads of goals, were they very important to make other players around who, them who better? Do, who do you speak about? I didn't... Uh... Uh, Diaris Vassell. Yeah, Diaris Vassell, yeah, yeah. Diaris Vassell is a very honest football player. He's doing the work you ask him to do. He is... Um, he can play winger, he can play striker, second striker. And uh, he always did a good job in the national team and uh, and for City. So, and a good guy, extremely good guy. One of the other things I want to actually remind people of as well, when you were at Manchester City, you were the first manager in almost 40 years to win both derby matches in the same season against Manchester United. And at that time, you also achieved the club's joint highest Premier League points total. So when you look back at that time, how is that something that you look back with fondness? Because although you obviously go on to then leave the club, when you look at it on paper, this was before the takeover. So you were working with a different Manchester City to what we're all used to now. Well, you know, as a manager, most of us manager, we having highs and lows. And um, sometimes we are sacked. And I always said that sometimes I agree. I was sacked by Leicester, for example, and I agree. That was right because I got money from the owner to improve the team by new players. And I did it and uh, uh, it failed. The players, most of the players, at least two or three of the players I I thought would have helped the team, didn't. So I was sacked and that was right. But then if you talk about Manchester City, uh, I think that was wrong. I think uh, during that time we did a, a good season, very good season, considering where we came from and considering that we didn't invest too much money, we, Taksim uh, Sinawatha, and for some reason, I asked him two or three times, why? Uh, and he couldn't answer me. He said, I don't know. But that's it. And uh, life goes on. But uh, sometimes you accept to be sacked and you think it's right. Sometimes you disagree. But you can't change that. <laughs> because you are the coach manager and the owner is the owner. As well as managing England, you also manage Mexico, Ivory Coast. What was it like managing an international football that wasn't England? Because I imagine you don't have that same pressure that you got from the English press. So in a way, was it refreshing to manage those international teams? Well, I took a decision after being sacked uh, twice from England. One with England, <laughs> one with Manchester City. I thought... So and it's time you do something else now. So I changed from Europe going to outside Europe. And I think at the end, that's a mistake. You should never leave Europe if you want to coach, manage the best teams in the world because the best teams, the best are organized and things like that. But anyhow, that was what I did. And uh, I had a lot of happy, happy times and good times, bad times. To be a coach of Mexico, I liked it very much. Uh, behind the scenes, too, too much politics, too little football. Uh, but that was okay. To, 
to have Ivory Coast in the World Cup. That was great joy every day. <laughs> you have 23 players singing, dancing every day, but extremely good football players and extremely professional in what they did. And uh, I think we did a good World Cup. We were third after Brazil and Portugal, so anyhow. But um, great, great experience and uh, great football players. One of the other things that we've talked about Leicester and you talked about how you, you invested but it didn't quite work out. Following Leicester, you had a spell in Chinese football. What was it like working in China? Because in recent years, there's been lots of money invested into that league. Did you see it improve year on year when you were there? Yes. The reason why China is popular football-wise today is that some years ago, the president of the country went out saying he's fed up with seeing China being number 70-something on the FIFA ranking list. And he said he wants to uh, see China, China qualify for the World Cup. He wants to host the World Cup. And he wants to win the World Cup with China. And uh, he said, which is a great, great thing in a, in a country like that, from now on, every child in school, football. Football, football, football. And football's never been uh, played in schools in China. It's always been ping pong, badminton, individual sports. Uh, so football has become uh, a big thing in China and suddenly all the clubs creating uh, academies of football, they're investing a lot of money not only to buy football players but also in uh, creating pitches, creating academies, uh, educating young players. So I'm sure that in next generation China will be a big power even in, in football. In terms of China, we've talked, I, I think you're, you're right in the sense that it's similar to America and the fact that they've got big populations that are investing money into the game, so it can only grow from there. Now, the big question I've got for you, Sven, um, as we come towards the end, is you, you managed the Philippines, the, the last um, job that you, you had in, in sort of management. What does the future hold for you? Are you looking to get back into football management? Well, I don't want to go back to a team like Philippines. <laughs> That's a country which is... They don't, I don't think they like football neither. It's not football. It's not a big sport in, in, in Thailand and in the Philippines. So that was, uh, that was not happy times at all. But anyhow... The future, well, the future, I hope to be healthy. Uh, I'm living in Sweden in my house and uh, normally traveling a lot, having speeches and things like that. But now during Corona, it's been very quiet, everything. Uh, no traveling and things like that. But uh, if a team will, uh, is coming, uh, which I like, uh, cannot be Philippines, but uh, <laughs> some other interesting jobs, I would take it because I think I can still do it. Uh, if it doesn't come, I, I'm happy anyhow because I'm fine. I have, I have no big problems in life.
and old. Just before we finish, a few quick-fire questions for you, Sven. Um, in terms of all the players you've managed, if you had to pick maybe a top five or five that you really enjoyed working with, who would you pick? <laughs> no, it's not fair. How do you say who's the best player, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard? Uh, who is the best player, Verona or Mancini? Uh, impossible. <laughs> who is the best player, Ruud Gullit or, or, or Wayne Rooney? Who? So it's very, very difficult. Once in Roma, I had a player who is probably the most important player for his team I ever managed. And that was Roberto Falcao. He was uh, Brazilian, uh, playing for the national team. He was a big star and he was uh, the king of Rome. He had been there for three, four years before I came. And when he played, he was injured when I had him a lot. But when he played, we played marvelous football and we were fantastic to look at. When he didn't play, no one understood anything, and not even myself. I said, what in hell are we doing? <laughs> and they said, we cannot play without Roberto Falcao, because he is uh, like a coach on the pitch. And So I never see, seen anyone so important for his team like him. And uh, he was a great player, but the best player. No, I don't think it's fair to say who is the best. Wait. I've been lucky. I had a lot of extremely good football players. In terms of your time managing various clubs and nations, who were the players that when you were setting your team up to play against that you that you most respected and maybe at times feared? Well, on club level, uh, it must be in uh, Milan during Saki, the time of Saki. Uh, I met them with uh, with uh, Roma, uh, with uh, Fiorentina, I met them in the final with Benfica, and it was extremely difficult to play against them because they played offside, they, the team was very, very short and very aggressive. So coming behind that backline, which was uh, the best backline in the world, was very, very difficult. So I think most difficult team to play against, FC Milan. In terms of league, what was the most difficult league to manage in, in the sense that it was just very tricky on a weekly basis? Well, I guess at that time, the Italian league was a league where you... It's, uh, it's like, like Premier League today. You can say that you're going to win today because there are so many good teams. The Italian team, the Italian league was like that. I came from Portugal, and Portugal, you knew that you had two big games every year. Two, Sporting Lisbon and Porto. All the others, you should beat easily three, four, five nil at that time. Uh, but Italy was not like that. Wherever you went, uh, difficult, extremely difficult, and big competition, as Premier League is today. One of the other things that uh, I'm interested to, to ask you, you've talked in the past about some of the clubs that have tried to get you over the years. Is there a particular job that you were offered that in hindsight you wish you'd taken? No, not really. Well, Brazil. 
<laughs> would be nice. And you know that that will never happen, of course. Uh, but that would be great to to manage uh, 23 football players with the, the technique of Brazilians. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I had so many good teams. I've always been a big supporter of Liverpool, so so that might have been a dream in the past. But no, not really. And I'm extremely happy for Liverpool today. They're playing extremely good football and finally winning the Premier League. And I hope that will go on, and I think so. In terms of stadiums, um, when you were managing the England national team, you toured the country, whereas the team now obviously play at Wembley. There's been lots of chat in England about whether they should stay at Wembley or tour, tour for some of the time. What was your opinion of touring the various stadiums from Old Trafford to St Mary's to others as well? Well, I must be the only England manager who never played on Wembley, even if I was in the job for five and a half years. <clears throat> so I don't know how it is to play on Wembley. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, during our time traveling around the country to, to play, I think that was very good. I mean, it was. We were welcome wherever we came, and the stadiums were completely full every time. And it was, yeah, big football uh, event, of course. Do you have a favourite stadium that you've managed at? Well, the old Benfica Stadium, which took one hundred and ten thousand people. Wow. <laughs> When we played Porto or Sporting there, or when we played Liverpool there in the quarterfinal in Champions League at that time, European Cup, that was that was amazing, massive. Uh, running in on that stadium for opponents always very difficult, and I think a lot of football players, old football players who played there, they would say they're the same. Amazing stadium. <clears throat> Lots of people, Sven, talk about the best player ever, Pele, Maradona, Ronaldo or Messi. Who would you say, in your opinion, from your lifetime, is the best player in the world? <laughs> it's the same there. How do you compete one of the greatest 50 years ago, Pele, with a Messi of today or a Messi of one year ago or two years ago? Uh, how it's it's impossible to compete with that, uh, to to say who's the best. The best I played against from the bench that was Maradona uh, when he played in Napoli. I met him many times with the Roma, with the Fiorentina, and he was incredible during his time in, in Italy. A few non-football ones for you, Sven. Favourite sport outside of football? <laughs> tennis. Or today, paddle. <laughs> in terms of tennis, are you a good tennis player? Is that something you're strong at? No, I'm not a good tennis player, but I, I put the ball over to the other side. <laughs> that I'm good at. <laughs> in terms of travelling, you've travelled the world um, with football. Where would you say is your favourite place if you can go anywhere on holiday? Uh, I don't really know that. I'm sorry, but uh, there are a lot of good places. But 
the place where I live is beautiful and I'm very, very happy where I am. And sometimes I travel to other places and I say, well, I think it's better at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lovely thing to say. Um, in terms of yourself, tea or coffee? Tea. And obviously in the UK, lots of people drink tea with milk. Do you drink with milk or without? Black tea. It's funny because the reason I'm asking that is because when I interviewed Henrik Larson, he said the same. He said tea, but never with milk. No, no, milk. Uh, milk is for children. <laughs> <laughs> um, beer or wine? Uh, normally wine. Yes. And um, what I was going to ask you as well, in terms of yourself, when you have time to relax when you're in management what's your favorite things to do to relax is it watching tv reading books hill walking no i'm reading i'm exercising uh, i playing pedal today because uh, i start to like that even better than tennis uh, i live a normal life and normally i like to travel but since the coronavirus uh, everything stops when you talk about traveling and things like that but uh, I'm reading a lot a lot of exercise and things like that and uh, I like to eat well so but I was... like most people in the world I suppose last question Sven I've got for you football related what advice would you give to any young coach today Whew. look at as much football as you can, live or on television. Go and see big teams and try to have five minutes with the big coaches uh, and uh, be yourself. Try to find out who you are. Try to have your own philosophy about football. Don't try to be uh, to play another uh, person yourself brilliant absolutely incredible advice i really appreciate your time it's been an absolute joy to have you on the show and i wish you every success for the future okay so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open they'll be filled with song they'll be filled with song Dive down to the ocean And we'll make her home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song